we tapped into some kind of energy that was a crossroads of ideas of black empowerment and, and education and, and things that were really, um, starting to make a lot of, um, media attention. That's DJ Johnny Juice, a legend of breakdancing and hip hop music, discussing how Public Enemy and other mid-1980s rap groups tuned into social consciousness and provided a new, much-needed outlet for social commentary. Just part of our review of hip-hop's 50-year odyssey and Johnny's amazing career in music, engineering, volunteerism, and beyond. All right here, right now, on Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast. Spark voiceover intro lady, hit it! This is Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast. Featuring up-close conversations with the inventors, investors, executives, and entrepreneurs fueling the dynamic Long Island innovation economy. Spark is a production of Innovate Long Island, the home of exceptional thought in NASA and Suffolk and beyond. Today's episode is made possible by the generous support of Brandtelling, where professional marketing, communications, and brand building always starts with an interesting story. It seems so modernistic. Touchstone references, high-tech production, and frequent ferocity. But rap has been around for thousands of years as a communications form. The griot, oral historians of Western Africa, have maintained spoken word genealogies and social lessons for centuries. Poetic homilies accompanied by stringed instruments and pounding war drums. During slavery's darkest days, Transplanted Africans coped with their pain and loss through similar oral means, historical connectivity and social commentary through song, powerful a cappella monologues following those same driving beats. So rapping goes way back. But hip-hop music, that has a clearly modern origin story, starting in the Bronx in 1973. What began 50 years ago as a Black, Latino, and Caribbean cultural exchange has grown into one of the most popular and lucrative American music genres. And the rare genre, like wholesome 50s pop, or radical 60s rock, or country music at its best, that can accurately define the national mood. Leading hip-hop's charge through the decades has been a pantheon of New York legends, including many Long Island artists who helped define hip-hop's sound and form. Among them, certainly, is today's guest, who really needs no introduction to fans of classic rap. Johnny Rosado, known best by stage name DJ Johnny Juice, is an award-winning and Emmy-nominated musician, a composer, producer, turntablist, engineer, and legendary breakdancer who's collaborated with some of the biggest names in the hip-hop genre. Public Enemy, Busta Rhymes, and other names you know. Yes, you, middle-class white person. But that's only part of Johnny's resume. The disabled U.S. combat veteran, who earned an engineering degree from the University of California, San Diego, works these days as a technical support specialist for national retail services provider Scarsdale Security Systems. He's also a volunteer at Energetic Enterprise Youth Community Studio, a Uniondale-based nonprofit offering teenagers positive experiences through music and music production, a high-tech, 
high creativity, all community effort that's right in the master sound engineer's wheelhouse. Johnny is also set to be part of the festivities this Sunday when the Long Island Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame hosts a 50th anniversary celebration of the hip hop genre. So he's busy preparing for that on top of everything else. And we're really grateful that he could find the time to rap with us today. Johnny Juice, you're a living legend, man. And this is a real honor. Welcome to Spark. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the, the love and the uh, embellished resume. <laughs> no, man, I took it all straight from black and white. I mean, it's all right there written down. You've done a lot of cool shit. Um, I have so many questions uh, about your earliest days as, as really a trend-setting b-boy in the Bronx, uh, really every bit of breakdancing uh, legend. Uh, and I have questions about your, your amazing musical career, your brushes with fame, uh, your technical expertise, your volunteerism. Uh, so I'm going to start with this huge one. Why juice? Um, when I was a young boy, I had uh, a lot of energy, and that's an understatement. So uh, a very good friend of the family's used to see me running around and call me Juice. Uh, so he's like, look at little, little Juice running around. And uh, it stuck. Obviously, it wasn't used to uh, denote any hip-hop affiliation. Mm -hmm. But eventually, when everybody started taking their their code names and their alter egos. My name was already there. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to those days. Uh, you started breakdancing when you were nine. I think you told me, um, yes. and you, you were an original member of the Bronx boys rock and crew, which started in 75, 1975. And well, was one of the first, uh, I'm sorry, one of the first established breakdance crews. Is that, did I get the date right? The date was right. I wasn't an original member. Oh, okay. I'm currently the vice president of the crew. Okay. And um, I started out, yes, and when I was nine years old, as my aunt, who was normally charged with babysitting me, was about 10 years older than I was. So as she was hanging out with her friends and going to the parks and things of that nature, she would take me with her. This is in the Bronx. Yes, correct. And uh, there was no uh, age limit in the park wasn't like a club. Mm -hmm. So as she was hanging out with her friends, I would gather around the little circles, as we call them, the ciphers, and watch the dancers. And when I was also intrigued at the DJ uh, portion of the park gym, that park wasn't very accessible. Uh, they wouldn't let you behind the, the ropes or let you mm -hmm. near the turntables, but everybody likes a little kid dancing in a little circle. You know, and they would egg you on and they would encourage you to get down and and that was my, my start into the world of b-boy. And uh, it just so happens that in 79, ironically, the rocking culture started kind of going out a little bit. And it didn't get revived really nationally until movies like Breaking and B Street came out. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, had you moved to Long Island already by that time, by the time that it started coming back? By the time it started coming back, yes, I did move to Long Island. And um, obviously, I never stopped dancing. But um, mm -hmm. since it was, you know, the art form became resurgent in, in those times, there was a lot of interest from people who normally or, or wouldn't probably be interested, wouldn't even know about it because they didn't live in the city. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they saw me doing it. So it was like, hey, let's start a crew. And people started looking for us, uh, whether to battle us or to join us. I know that one person in particular came looking for you, Trevor George Smith Jr. Uh, that doesn't really make an impression until you know Trevor's famous code name, uh, the one and only Busta Rhymes. What's the story there? Well, there was a big, uh, as they called it, a breakdance contest at Levittown Roller Rink, uh, believe it or not. And I was there with members of my crew, including my boy Miguel. And right before the whole contest started, uh, Trevor and his little brother Paul came up to me and asked to join the crew. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know these young, these young men. They were uh, a few years younger than, than I was. Okay. So, How old were you at this point? I had to be about maybe 14 or 15, somewhere in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, they were there with their mother. And uh, they started kind of like auditioning right on the spot. So I told them, you know, <laughs> give me a minute. Let, let's, let, let's this contest happen. Afterwards, we could discuss it. But I think their intention was they wanted to be in the contest. They wanted to be affiliated. But mm-hmm. we already had a routine done. So after the contest, we revisited and um, he ended up coming to my house, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later. <clears throat> and, and that's when he joined my crew. Uh, Busta would go on to considerable fame. And it's certainly not the only big name uh, you had the pleasure of working with. Uh, in fact, you work with the guy who gave Trevor his, his nickname, Chuck D of Public Enemy. Uh, so let's start there. Uh, Public Enemy, maybe history's most mainstream successful rap group uh certainly one of the driving forces that put the genre on the map uh with their unique sound and fearless commentary uh can you tell us about your work with with public enemy yeah sure it actually has a lot to do with buster and and charlie brown two members of leaders of the new school during the breakdance quote-unquote era Mm. one of our nemesis from across the uniondale pond on the south end of uniondale was a, a crew that included the future Charlie Brown, and we would battle them all the time. Eventually, we moved on from the, the b-boy dance world into the, to the rap world mm-hmm. and became a DJ. Um, Buster became a beatbox, and I ran into a guy named DJ Haig, who I heard was one of the best DJs on Long Island. He did a lot of clubs on Long Island. He was older mm-hmm. than I was, and I asked to battle him. Or I challenged him to a battle and he, he laughed me off because I was a lot younger than he was. Uh, but then uh-huh. he said, I'll tell you what, if you beat my friend and my partner, we'll talk. So I demolished his partner. Uh, I won't mention his name. What, what does that look like? What is, what is demolishing somebody in a battle like that look well, like? Well, he, he pulled out two records that he thought he would be able to uh, showcase his skills with, which happened mm-hmm. to be a song called uh, The Soul, Al Nafish, Hashim. And that's one of my favorite records to scratch up. So he went first, I went second, and it wasn't even close. So Haig tells me, come to my house. You're going to be down with my DJ crew. I want you to DJ with me. When I got there, I realized that Charlie Brown, who he was in school with me, we were in the same grade. Mm-hmm. He was there. And I'm like, what's he doing here? He's like, that's my brother. Uh-huh. Well, it wasn't long before he said, Hey, you know, he raps, you should guys and be in a crew and we became a crew. So the crew ended up being me, uh, Charlie Brown and, and Buster. 
but but their names were uh, KBMC and Chillo Ski. So Busta's name was Chillo Ski. Oh, I didn't realize Busta had another name before uh, before Busta. Right, so he was Chillo Ski. After Trevor. And um, Pig, Brown's older brother, uh, was informed of a contest in Hempstead, Long Island, by a crew named Spectrum City, by his good friend, Eric Sadler, who would go on to be one of the bomb squad. So uh, he, he told Hig, Hig called his brother and said, hey, you know, there's a contest. I'm looking for rappers and DJs. You guys should go and try out. So we went mm -hmm. and tried out, and I ended up winning the DJ portion of the battle. They were trying to find groups to populate ideals that they had. They had um, logos already designed, group names, and I guess themes. They were looking for talent. So um, I became a member of a group they formed called the Kings of Pressure, and we were signed the next mm -hmm. Plateau Records. In the meantime, Chuck was giving me rides back and forth uh, because I didn't have a car, <laughs> to Uniondale when he lived in Roosevelt. And he asked me, hey, you know, you think you could come into the studio and work on uh, some scratches for our album? And I said, sure. He popped to the mm. tape. And the song that played was the song that would become My Uzi Weighs a Ton. Now, that's, uh, that's a command performance. That's, that's high praise indeed. That must have been quite a moment for you to have Chuck D ask you to come in and work with them. Well, keep in mind, Chuck D wasn't a famous dude yet. Uh, Public Enemy wasn't even a, really a group yet. I mean, they were on paper hmm. a group, but they never released a record. So, well, do you look back on it then and say, huh, damn, you know, that, that Chuck D asked me to come in and, and work with them? I see it as I also contributed to whatever it is that made Public Enemy what it is. So it wasn't hmm. as if Public Enemy was this huge monolith and they were famous and there were superstars that said, you need to be on this. And I say, wow, what an honor. It was like, hey, we're trying to do something. You know, you want to get down. And I say, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And I got down and our collaboration is what, what resulted in the art that, that people tend to gravitate towards now. Well, at least at the time we released it. So there's, a been, there's been a million projects where I've been asked to participate in. They just didn't blow up. That doesn't make uh, those requests for me to be on them any less mm. than somebody like Chuck. It just happens mm. that we, you know, we hit a chord. We, I wouldn't say we got lucky, but I would say that, you know, we tapped into some kind of energy that was a crossroads of ideas of black empowerment and, and education and, and things that were really um, starting to make a lot of um, media attention due to things like the Cosby show. It's a different world. So there was already an atmosphere of positive black influence that kind of coincided with Public Enemy's releases, which kind of helped kind of float it. Mm -hmm. uh, now, speaking to the, that's awesome, by the way. And, it, and I was wondering if I would ask you if you felt that rap music maybe at that time was ahead of its time. Uh, but it seems like perhaps it was arriving just in time from the way you put it. Uh, I asked because maybe in the early 80s, and this might be easy for a white guy to say, uh, the, a lot, uh, the racial tensions weren't making headlines the way they do now. It wasn't a forefront issue. It's part of the problem. It wasn't a forefront issue the way it is now. It, America kind of behaved as though it had beaten its racism problem. Um, and therefore, I wonder if rap music didn't immediately get the audience it might because that put off people who thought that, like I said, America was past its racism problem. 
Um, do you think that that's true? Do you think that rap was ahead of its time or just in time? Well, it depends on where you're from, right? Um, I yeah. remember traveling to the West Coast and they were kind of behind. You know what I mean? So, well, we, we were maybe, I don't know, we were doing a certain dance. We were in a certain type of uh, fashion. They yeah. were maybe a year or two behind. So yeah. I guess being on time is relative. As far as the mindset, I mean, rap, well, the children are always ahead of their time. Teens, yeah. they always do these things that it takes a while for the adults to say, what the heck's going on over there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in some cases, some of the artists didn't realize what they were doing. I mean, I remember, you know, speaking to DMC, Run DMC, about a, uh, out of the songs they did. And when Rick or Russell would say, hey, we're going to put guitars on this. And they're like, wait a minute, you're playing guitars through the whole song, including our verses? And they were like, yeah, okay, I, we don't like that. Take that off. And of yeah. course, Rick and Russell will say, yeah, 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 sure, we'll do that. But of course, they didn't do it. And then Run MZ heard it. It was like, what is this crap? And then later on, they find out that that's what made it sell a million copies. Hmm. Sometimes mistakes, you know, the, the mistakes are the ones that actually define you, you know? And right. when we first... And not always, not always negatively. Not always negatively. I, absolutely. You know, um, there were times where, like, I think Keith was doing the pro drum program of Public Enemy Number 1 and didn't have the, the quantize on, on the drum machine. So the drums are kind of a little loose. So things like that can be seen as, oh, that's revolutionary. We decided to say screws, tightly quantizing this one. It was like, nah, we just didn't know. Is that something that people have tried to copy? Uh, people have done similar things. I mean, uh, J JD, J Dilla from uh, Slum Village uh, was known for like, you know, using a very high swing on his MPC. Uh, and I don't know if it was done by mistake or, or he's, or he did it because it was a field thing, but then it gets copied a million times. But, mm. you know, there's always this revisionist history where somebody says, oh yeah, I meant to do that. Like kind of like PB Hearn. <laughs> right. I meant to do sure. that. Sure. But in, in reality, you know, Hey, that was a mistake, but Hey, look, it worked out good. You know, but it worked out. Uh, what were you nominated uh, for an Emmy for? Um, I worked on the, um, score and the theme song for ESPN's Ali rap, which was a documentary about how Muhammad Ali was influential to the rap genre because of how he rhymed, uh, mm -hmm. when he did his, his, uh, you know, promotion for his fights. Right. Right. It was, I remember, I remember that documentary, by the way. Uh, you right. also scored a Hollywood movie. Did you not? Um, I've done a few, um, and, and I, uh. The one I got the NAACP Image Award nominations for was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's On the Shoulders of Giants. And I started out with the theme song. Actually, it started out with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar having to redo the movie due to a whole bunch of logistical issues. And his budget was low because he spent a lot of money on it. And, mm -hmm. and Chuck overheard him talking about it on an airplane. And he said, hey, we'll do it. Hit for nothing. So he <laughs> did. Um, and it ended up garnering a bunch of NAACP Image Award nominations. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in like 37A and Chuck D's in 37B, and they just have this conversation on the plane. Well, and, Chuck and heard him. You know, I mean, Chuck's a huge sports man. So as soon as he heard him, he's like, oh, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he's like, I couldn't help it over here, blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah. before you know it, we're working on this 
on this uh, this movie, and it's a it's a, actually it's a, it's a very educational movie. It's about the first all black uh, professional basketball team, the Harlem mm. Ren Harlem Rens, named after the mm. Renaissance Hotel and Casino in Harlem. It's actually the first team to actually have a you know some kind of collaborative deal with with the with the venue, mm. and it was um it was managed by a black man. That's an interesting story. And they won the world championship. Mm. I believe um, they beat the Monarchs. This was prior to the NBA, obviously. So right. this is uh, back when they had Born Story. They would go from town to town and play. Uh, hey, let's talk about the hip-hop genre itself for a second. Um, the uninitiated hear rap music, and they think immediately of, of Black men shouting profanities and waving guns, smoking pot, draped in gold. Um, there's no denying those elements frequently appear in hip hop songs and videos. Uh, but there are also legitimate gripes about social justice, positive messages of equality, uh, arguments about free speech and other individual liberties that are as American as it gets. Um, all of that is there too, and, and always has been, um, particularly in the old, the old days of the public enemy and, and those classic songs. Um, so the genre itself, from your perspective, Johnny, uh, is, it, is it true to its original message or has that message evolved um, or maybe some of both? Some of both. I mean, what was the original message? I mean, if you, if you take Rapper's Delight as the first rap record or King Tim Third by the Fatback Band, which were both in 1979, released in 1979, neither one of those had some incredible social commentary. To be honest with you, if you listen to Rapper's Delight, it sounds like a Puff Daddy song. Guys talking about how many women he can get, how many cars he has, how nice right. his house is. So that hasn't changed, right? It wasn't right. until the message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five that the social commentary section uh, or subgenre of rap became a thing, right? And mm. that was written primarily by Duke Booty, who just passed away fairly recently. And um, he wrote almost everything on that song, with the exception of Melly Mel's A Child Is Born verse, um, which is also one of the greatest verses in hip hop. But there's so much white noise out there that mm -hmm. it's easy to see how people can miss all the uh, uplisting rap, things like, uh, or the political rap, there's artists like Immortal Technique, like Dead mm -hmm. Prez, there's artists overseas like Low Key and, um, Shadi Amanso, who's a, a, a Palestinian descent, hmm. uh, who rhymes in Arabic but speaks perfect English, that wow. they they have you know a lot of social social political themes, uh, a lot of um, non misogynistic, violent, uh, drug infested lyrics, but hmm. because they're not played on the radio all the time, it seems that they don't exist. So I find it weird that we're using radio as a barometer when radio only plays like, you know, the same 10 songs of rotation for the whole week. Hmm. And there's billions of songs on the internet. And the ones with the positive messages tend to get lost. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of them that gets lost. There's a lot of ones with violence that gets lost too. So, you know, it's just the law of averages. If you have 10 songs they're playing on the radio, these little kids want to hear it. What, how much did you know about politics when you were 12? Zero. Exactly. So why, if, if Chuck does a song about how 
you know, the election process is, is, you know, tainted or redlining or, or things of that nature. And he brings it up in a song. How many 12 year old kids are going to say, yeah, right. We got to, we got to stop that. How, mm, oh, how right. they don't know enough about it. They barely mm. pay attention to it in school, much less want to hear their favorite rapper talk about it. Boy, that's a tough line to walk. And I imagine we could fill a whole show with that, but I want to, I want to get technical for a second, Johnny. Sure. Um, for those keeping score, uh, DJ Juice is a master of the Tascam Model 12 integrated production suite and other top level, uh, top, top level mixers and processors. Well, obviously there must've been some major technological innovations in your art over the last 30, 40 years. Absolutely. Uh, it's been exponential. So, um, I remember recording, uh, to real to real tape and uh -huh. we had to edit with, um, with razor blades on a, on a, on a metal block on actual tape. Yep. Right. And, um, and now you could, you have this nonlinear editing where you could record and then later on you could find a section as you want, cut them out. You could, I could change a verse around immediately. I could take a mm. guy out, put another guy in there and move that guy to the end. Uh, oh. the, the way, the way you can actually manipulate a song is just phenomenal. I could change the picture. I'll tell you, man, I sit here with my keyboard writing, writing my stuff. And I wonder how anybody with a typewriter ever did it. Um, because every time I make a typo or I want to move this paragraph over there, I mean, they had to rip out the page and start over. I can't imagine how they ever got, they were much better typists, I would imagine, but, uh, but it's gotta be the same thing uh, the technological advances have made creating my art form so much easier. It sounds a lot like yours. It has, but learning the way I did definitely allows me to be more efficient with my new tools. Um, when you have a limited amount of tracks and mm. there isn't digital editing and things of that nature, you tend to envision what your sound will be prior to doing it. Mm. You have more focus because you know, this is the direction I'm going to go. I think when you have too many choices, sometimes it, yeah. it makes it a little tough because now you got yeah. 75 different takes of this vocal. Right. Because you'll know, I'll just do another take. We'll, we'll sort it out later. Right. So now I got to right. go. It doesn't through. cost anything. Right. Right. So now I got to go. What time? Right. And time is money. So it does cost something. So, so the old school is a little bit of measure twice, cut once. Yes. Absolutely. And um, I find that even though I have unlimited tracks, um, I'm able to do phenomenal things. I tend to really squeeze my artists to get things right the first time. There's no fix it in the mix or I'll edit it out. No, you get it right. Now, mm. if it's damn near perfect take, but one little mistake, let's keep that out. I'll, I'll delete that little mistake. But I'm not going to sit mm. there going, ah, I can edit that or I'll change the timing later. Because, mm. you know, th there's still some pride in, like, being real good at what you do, you know? Yeah. Uh, and thank God for people who think so. Uh, now your software engineering expertise does not end in the studio. You are also a tier two customer support representative for Scarsdale security systems. Uh, I think you said you're a tech for techies. Uh, what's that work about? Well, we supply, uh, security solutions to many different, uh, customers, uh, usually national, uh, brands like Gucci, Burberry, U.S. Coast Guard, you name it. 
Anything from uh, alarm systems, fire, burglar, CCTV systems, access control, things of that nature. And if uh, a tech goes out to service and they can't figure it out, they call me and then I help them figure it out. I'm an engineer by trade. I got an electrical engineering degree and a computer science degree. So it kind of lends itself to this type of work. You know, I do IT work. All of this uh -huh. stuff is digital, including the, the, the camera systems are IP-based. So it's basically a huge network. So you have things of that nature that, that require not only uh, sound analog experience, like it's an analog camera. It's basically just cable and a, and a power supply. But uh -huh. now that is an IP camera. So you have power over network. You have PoE, power over Ethernet, right? And then you have a, you have IP addresses that can get scrambled somehow if they have a power outage. And then you have a server. A server also has software that allows you to, to capture audio and video, things of that nature. So now it becomes a little more, a little more uh, intricate. And it's not just a simple VCR with a camera at the end of it. You know, it sounds second nature to you. Oh, and right. I guess that's not surprising considering your first nature, which is all very technical also. I mean, you are a musician and an artist in every sense of the word, but uh, so technical in your approach. Um, and here you are doing this, which seems to have a lot of similar functions and themes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I find that my engineering background almost forces me to find more efficient ways to do things, no matter what it is, whether it's creating a song or, or recording a band or fixing an issue out in the field or even design, cause I've done design work. Um, mm. with semiconductors, it's like, what's the fastest, best, easiest way, what's the best methodology. Mm. And that, that works in life, not just, you know, in this one particular area. You know, you're the second straight guest that made a point of saying how they streamline their time and, uh, and their work processes in order to get as much done in as little time and as efficiently as possible. Uh, I hope every guest this year says the exact same thing. I love that. Um, Johnny, when you're not dropping beats or securing America's shopping malls remotely, uh, you're over at Energetic Enterprise Youth Community Studio in Uniondale, working with the next generation of musical talent. Uh, you're an instructor there. Uh, what is happening over there at the studio? Well, the, the, the youth studio was founded by a very good friend of mine who also happened to have been one of the members that went to that contest that Spectrum City had with me and Charlie Brown. His name is Daquan Massey, and uh, he filled in for Buster because Buster couldn't be there. And Daquan started this because he has an affinity for helping the youth. And um, with the help of Lorraine Danzer, who ran the Unidale Community Council or the Unidale Community Center, mm -hmm. they started this, uh, this youth community studio to kind of get the kids off the street, get them into a program where they could be productive after school and we started teaching initially like you know recording studio based things you know some kids wanted to write beats some wanted to record mm -hmm. some wanted to be vocalists i even taught piano there for a little while and and in, in general i taught computer literacy as well oh wow that is some well-rounded stuff and it sounds like the makings of little crews there coming together with the kids with different talents well we've had guys you know and gals leave one guy who was Struggling with a lot of the material, end up going to Full Sail University, getting the, a degree in music production, and now he does it for a living. 
Yeah, you laid the groundwork there. I'm very proud of that young man. And I've had another guy that took a, took a real uh, affinity for vocal work and things of that nature. And now he does none of that, but he calls me uh, every month. And he's a massage therapist and, you know, his life is, is going well. And, and I'm more of a mentor to him, you know, mm -hmm. outside of the music area, which he doesn't really do that much. But what I hope that the children get out of it is something that will help them in their life, whether it's music-based or not. Well, some of them, that's a great message, by the way, about volunteerism in general. And uh, some of those kids may actually wind up having great music careers. Some may even wind up in the Long Island Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, the hall is the site this Sunday. Uh, for a 50th anniversary hip-hop celebration. Uh, for posterity's sake, uh, we're recording this on June 7th for streaming on June 13th, which is after the June 11th celebration. Uh, but Johnny Juice, you're going to be there on Sunday. Uh, what's your part in the festivities? Well, I am going to be, I'm pretty much the glue here. Um, I worked along with Tom, Tom Needham from the Long Island Music Hall of Fame to secure the artists that are performing there. Mm -hmm. um, performing is, uh, you know, myself, as well as with the, the band Son of Berserk, who I produce and manage. And um, actually, I'm performing with a few people, also with Glamours from the Glamours Girls and the Juice Crew and AJ mm -hmm. Rock from uh, JVC Force. Uh, we also be doing a panel on the history of hip hop um, on Long Island. And I'll be participating there as well. Uh, can you believe it's been 50 years since, since the Bronx and, and the start of all this? Doesn't feel like it. Uh, I think when somebody tells me, Hey, remember 30 years ago, I'm thinking seventies. Right. But meanwhile, yeah, right. me too. <laughs> it's meanwhile, you know, I was in the military 30 years ago. Uh, right. Go figure. No, I did. I did want to ask you about that. I know you don't like to talk about your service, but I, I'm, you were a veteran of the U S Navy. And I'm wondering if your service time perhaps influenced your, your music and your art afterwards. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that people ask me is like, you know, uh, what artists influence you or, or, you know, when you go in the studio, what instrument you use that inspires you? And I tell them, you know what inspires me? Life inspires me. So hmm. you can sit in a room all day and try to come up with titles and subjects and, and chord progressions or, or you can go out and live life and take that and transform that into your music. And when I was in the military, I've traveled around the world. I've done things that I probably otherwise would have never done. Um, I've met people from all over the world in a different capacity than you do like when, when you're touring. When you tour, sure. they take you to the best parts of town. They treat you good. They give, bring you to nice restaurants. They basically treat you like a king. But when you travel on your own, you have to make the effort to meet with the locals and, and talk to them and vibe with them. And then you go to the places they go to and they're not taking you to the best places, but they're taking you to places that they think you would like because they like them, not because mm -hmm. they think they want to impress you. So I learned a lot from that part of my life. Uh, I worked extremely hard when I was in the military and the job I had. And, um, that helped me with my discipline, even though I was pretty disciplined before going in. Mm -hmm. So that has carried out throughout the rest of my life, which has allowed me to accomplish rather a lot in, in a short amount of time. So I credit that, you know, that, that time in my life with helping me to embed 
or to reinforce my, my discipline and, and my attention to detail. Well, Johnny, uh, you are inspired by life, and I think people who hear this are going to be inspired by you. Um, you're a major contributor to your art and your community, uh, and thank you so much uh, for sharing all this with us uh, today, man. This was excellent. Oh, well, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I, I, am, I am honored and humbled. Uh, before you go, in case you thought you were getting off easy, it's time to play. <laughs> it's time to play the Spark Psychoanalysis game. It's a rap session of sorts in which we peel back a few psychological layers to show what makes our guests hip and otherwise hop around some personal topics. Um, I have these handy cards here marked word association and which is your favorite and why. And you, Mr. DJ, get to choose the tracks we play. Uh, so what's it going to be, Johnny? Um, surprise me. Surprise you? Oh, you don't want to leave it up to me, man, because uh, I think Arthur already knows which way I'm going to go. But uh, <laughs> if you really go in there, then we are going to play word association. Uh, oh, hey, there it is. It's the word association alarm. Arthur's psych. Uh, people usually choose the other one, Johnny, just so. So um, you're a brave man. Uh, so he's the DJ. I'm the trapper. And this is word association with Johnny Juice Rosado. Here we go. Music. Okay. You say music. I say love. DJ. Vinyl. B-boy. Expression. Massey. Massey? As in Daquan. Yep, Daquan, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you just go comma Daquan. Got it. Um, all right, here's an easy one. Tritons. Chord. Chord? Korgs. K-O-R-G. Korg makes a keyboard name with Triton. Oh, man, I was going for Tritons as in USC San Diego Tritons. I'm a tech, man. I'm, I'm oh, a right. tech. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> all right. Uh, point. <laughs> uh Track. Uh, masters. Graph writer. Aerosol artist. Okay. See, now I, does that mean like graffiti writer? Yep. Okay. Cause I was like looking it up and I wasn't sure. It's G R A F for those of you keeping score and I really couldn't find it. So thank you, Johnny, for clearing that up for me. Um, gangsta. Rap. Help desk. Support. Innovation inspiration awesome johnny you're a real renaissance man my friend and like i said at the top we are honored you joined us today thank you for playing our game thank you for coming on our show well thank you for having me again man i appreciate you he is a legendary figure of the hip-hop genre a professional engineer and a really cool guy i am the editor over at innovateli.com and this is spark the innovate long island podcast Sincerest thanks, as always, to Innovate LI President Marlene McDonald, intrepid man in the chair Arthur Germain, president of Brand Telling, and both the producer and sponsor of this podcast, and he'd be happy to rap all day long about your brand story. And of course, thank you, dear listener, for your time, your ears, and your mental space. We'll be back soon with another great conversation from the innovation economy's front lines. Until then, be happy, be healthy. And when you can, drop a fresh beat. You've been listening to Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast with host Gregory Zeller. To recommend a guest, please contact...